Is it time to ask our patients for more than just their copay at the time of their visit? You are listening to ReachMD on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. With new computer software, a patient's actual health care costs, unmet deductibles, and their portion of fees for care can be estimated at or prior to the visit. Some experts believe this appraisal will become much more common in the years ahead, and we'll take a look at the advantages and potential pitfalls. Welcome to the Business of Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill. Joining me today is Brian Morton, a region executive and content expert for Halley Consulting. Mr. Morton, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. So tell me a little bit about this new software. I know the fancy name is RTCA, which stands for Real-Time Claims Adjudication. Can you tell me a little more? What real-time adjudication does is it tells the practice, and oftentimes while the patient is still standing at the front desk doing the checkout process, what the payer is going to pay on the claim, what any of the denials would be, and it gives a real-time answer as to whether or not that claim is going to be paid It lists any and all of the adjustments are going to hit, and it allows the practice then to tell the patient that your responsibility of this claim is going to be X dollars. So how accurate is that? Do the insurance companies come back later and say, oh, you know what, we were wrong, you actually don't owe that, or you owe more? Most of the time, it's fairly on the spot. And, you know, when I say that, in terms of what's being paid on the procedure code, what's being paid out in the deductibles, If the claim is approved, it's pretty much 99% accurate. Where you run into problems are if the information is wrong going into the claim, then you're going to have to do a little bit of work to figure out what happened, and then that usually comes back as a denial that the patient wasn't eligible, that the billing information was wrong, and it requires some more work to do. Well, it seems like it's more work for the checkout person who's going to have to actually enter charges in real time instead of doing it later in the day while that person's standing in front of them. You know, the part about that is is usually you're entering two to three codes and two to three diagnosis codes. So while it is a little bit more work for the checkout person, it's very minimal. And the other thing about it, too, is regardless of whether you have the real-time adjudication or not, patients do like to walk out with a receipt of what occurred for the day Mm -hmm. so that when they get a notice back from their insurance company, they have something to tie to. Now, what's the point of actually even getting a follow-up EOB? If everything's been decided at the time of service, why not just print the receipt and be done and then not have to send out anything? Unfortunately, until everybody goes paperless, the insurance companies still have to mail something to the patients. Mm -hmm. So what insurance companies are doing this currently? Humana is very big on it right now, as well as United Healthcare. Some of the Blues plans are starting to trial. And what kind of responses are you seeing from both physicians' practices and the patient side? Absolutely love it when it's in place. It really, for the physician side, it escalates the cash flow dramatically, and they know that in that week's check run from the insurance company, they're going to get paid. Patients also like knowing what is going on, and it gives the patient that information too. Now, what if the patient has something done and they check out and they see that the insurance company is not going to pay for it, and they say, you know, I would not have had that procedure done if I had not known that. I don't want to pay this. In terms of those situations, a lot of times if the procedure was done and it's one of the questionable ones, meaning that, you know, as a practice, you know that this type of lab is only performed once a month or those, the practice should have done an advanced beneficiary notice to the patient. And a lot of your 
carrier contracts, meaning if you have a contract with UHC and you're charging for a non-covered service, a lot of the contracts specify whether or not you can charge the patient. If the carrier says you can't charge the patient for that, then you obviously have to write it off. Mm-hmm. If the carrier says you can charge the patient, hopefully you've told the patient up front that it's a questionable procedure. Well, I know in our office we are attempting to do RTA with our United patients, and do we owe any sort of pre-explanation to our patients? Do we have to send out letters to them? Do we have to post something? Or can we just kind of dump it in their lap and surprise them with it on their next visit? You know, it's one of those that communication is going to be key to making this work. You don't really have to notify the patient, but what is recommended is that when the patients come in, you have a financial policy that explains exactly what you're going to do when you're going to do it. And that also helps to deal with any issues in the future with any copay collections or coinsurance. So we should add it to our financial policy and maybe have them read it on our website before they come to the office. Absolutely. That's a good idea. I'm going to do that tomorrow. So these days, how much of a physician's revenue is actually coming from patients or what we call self-pay? Yeah, we estimate usually it's around 20%. And the reason we say that is most of the Medicare patients obviously have a 20% copay. And then in terms of your managed care, your copays are usually X dollars per visit. And, you know, by using that 20% as an estimate, you hope that it really isn't more than that. And the other thing, too, is your Medicare patients, for the most part, and I'm not saying this is universal, have some type of coinsurance that also helps pick up some of that. Brian, I find in my practice at the beginning of the year when patients come in, they don't really understand their policies very well, and they don't understand the concept of a deductible and... So they could be hit with a three, four, five hundred dollar bill leaving my office, and I don't think they're going to want to pay me. I agree with the fact that they don't understand that, but once again, too, you know, this is communication with the patient, and hopefully, when your staff book the appointments with that patient, they're saying, you know what, Mrs. Jones, please recognize that you know your deductible with Medicare is going to be due this time of year, and you could end up having to pay for the entire visit. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to The Business of Medicine on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill, and my guest today is Brian Morton from the Halley Consulting Group, and we're talking about real-time claims adjudication. Brian, who does this really help if the insurance companies are coming out with it? Obviously, it's got to be better for them than it is for the physician because very rarely does any new technology come out that's going to help me, the physician. So what has been their motivation to do this? The insurance companies are now being graded in terms of how quickly they respond. A lot of states now have put in to place really stringent limits on the amount of time it takes an insurance company to process a clean claim. This is one of those items that really does help to show that the insurance company is engaged in trying to follow state law. The other thing that it does do is it really decreases the amount of work overall in terms of revenue cycle. Even though the claim going into the insurance company is pretty much in the same format, the responses back and the ability to work it ends up decreasing the overall claim volume because you have significantly less rework if you get the real-time information and get it corrected at that point. Is this truly a new emerging trend, or was it tried in the past and called something different and failed? 
My feel is it's really an emerging trend right now, and the reason I'm stating that is I don't believe technology in the past would have supported the level of online adjudication that we have now. You know, I can remember back in the early 80s when I was keying claims directly into the Florida Shared System for Medicare, and you know, you get the response back the following week. So it's only been as the technology has brought up the level of interactivity and a lot of the outcomes of all the HIPAA rules and the ANSI standards and all that have really allowed this to now take place. And then in terms of the practices benefit, will it truly cut down on the cost of billing or are we still going to have to send out statements? You will still have some statements, obviously, you know, and even in case the patient doesn't have the amount of money to pay any of the co-pays, that'll be out there. And, you know, we've seen estimates that it costs roughly 8 bucks to drop a bill in any type of patient statement. And the less that you have to do in terms of that follow-up work, the better off you always are. I'm just anticipating some of the bugs that would happen. Someone comes in, they don't know about it, and they have a, let's say, a $600 bill, and they're going to either you know, be angry, pissed, think that we're trying to rip them off, create a scene at the front desk, have to call out the office manager, and then have to set them up on a payment plan. How often do you see that occurring? I see the payment plans occurring a lot. And when I say that, it really is more for the specialist. The primary care guys don't have as many, but it's also the culture that you have in your office and it's how you communicate to that patient. And we have to make sure that our front desk staff realize that that patient is there because they're seeking care, that they're sick, they're not feeling well, they could be in pain, whatever the reason is for that visit. And you have to also make sure that the staff can be respectful but also follow through in asking for the patient's payment. And if the patient pushes back or has some issues, hopefully each office has a little private area where they can Mm -hmm. go meet with that patient one-on-one, show them the screen, show them what it is, and explain to them what is due. Just from a societal point of view, I find it fascinating that people can go to the doctor, expect care, and not have to pay for it. But if they check into a hotel, they give a credit card and there's no questions asked. So when will we be able to do that, ask for a credit card? Are physicians' practices doing that? Some practices are very good about doing that. And, you know, in terms of what you just said, too, most patients will not go to a dentist office without fully expecting to pay for their services. And, you know, it's kind of sad that dentists have been able to really create the culture of payment. So why are they killing themselves, all these dentists? Yep. I don't know, but you know, the dentists, for the most part, they're limited insurances, mm-hmm. and they don't have a lot of the issues that are out there in medicine. But you know, if the culture is there from the beginning, and you really establish that culture at first contact with the patient, right. when the patient calls in, it's like, you know what, Mrs. Jones, we're happy to book you. You have United Healthcare. Your copay is going to be $20. Mm-hmm. Please bring it with you on the visit. Then on follow-up appointments, too, when the patient calls in, there's nothing wrong with saying, you know what, Mrs. Jones, we still have $18 outstanding from your last page, your last visit. Can you bring that with you? Mm-hmm. Then when they get to the front desk, you know, another, okay, Mrs. Jones, here's all of our paperwork. Please review it. Make sure it's okay. And can I collect your copay now? Right. So it does sound for new patients, it's training them from the get-go and not creating bad habits. Correct. You know, for young people that are new to the system, they will have never known of anything else 
So the older patients may have a harder time adapting to this. Yeah, and it's also really the culture within the practice, and it's maintaining that balance between being respectful of the patient and ensuring the policy is met. Is there anything in the future that you see where a patient will actually be able to know ahead of their visit what their portion will be? I mean, obviously, you don't know what the doctor is going to do, but let's say they're coming in for a general physical EKG blood work. Can the patient actually figure out their share of the bill ahead of time and either go ahead with it and or not do it because it costs too much? There's a couple of factors there. First off would be whether it's a Medicare patient that has a percentage-based or a standard HMO where it's a copay. The copay patients have a fairly good understanding of what their copays are going to be. Mm-hmm. The percentage-based patients probably will be able to get a fairly close estimation that an office visit is usually X dollars. I don't see this as much in terms of the primary care doctors. I do see it, however, in terms of specialists and plastic surgeons, some of those elective type procedures where the patients really don't need the care, they're going to shop around more. So tell me a little real-life situation where you've gone in and helped a practice adapt to this new technology. What have you seen? It takes a cultural change from the physician all the way down to the front desk. And when I say that, you know, physicians are trained to be physicians, which is incredible. However, the practice management side of that really requires that the physician be as engaged to as the front desk office. The doctor has to be very good about completing the necessary paperwork so that you can get the necessary CPTs and diagnosis codes so you can even enter the claim in when the patient's walking out the door. You know, you lose the ability to do your documentation that night or the next day and do it all at the end of the week when the system is put in place. I can see how, you know, certain patterns are in place where the doctor may not fill out their super bill till the end of the day, and now you're asking them to do it immediately, and that's going to challenge a lot of physicians who are stuck in their ways. And then, inversely, too, the front office has got to be very engaged in processing appropriately, and, you know, sometimes offices will have the patient come in, they give them the insurance card, they copy the insurance card, They have them do registration information, and then they might get to the data entry of that sometime later in the day or later in the week. Mm -hmm. That process really has to be done before the patient leaves the room in the back. Right. Brian, last question. When do you think real-time adjudication will kind of take over and it will be acceptable care and no one will know any different? We're probably five years out from that. Great. Well, Brian Morton, thank you very much for talking with me today. No problem. Thank you. Brian Morton is a region executive and content expert for Halley Consulting. I'm Dr. Larry Caskell. You've been listening to the Business of Medicine on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMD, online, on demand, and on air. Please visit us at ReachMD.com. And thanks for listening.